Thank you for listening to the Calgary Business Podcast. As host, I have had the privilege of meeting a number of individuals that have shared fascinating stories from their experiences in the pre-COVID, COVID, and now in the expanded COVID period. Out of 220 podcasts to date, many of my guests have highlighted their commitment to help a variety of charitable and social impact agencies. Examples of two such organizations that have recently stood out to me include, first, the In From The Cold charity that Abir and Aya Al-Qadri from A to Z Liquidation support. They were my guests on episode 220. Second, the Brown Bagging for Calgary's Kids is just one charity that Matthew Andrade and his family business, Gentleman Rogue, are supporting. Matthew was my guest on episode 200. Take the time to consider donating to either one or both of these organizations. Brown Bagging for Calgary Kids can be found at bbck4.org and In From The Cold has a unique website, onesmallgift.ca. Once again, thanks for listening to the Calgary Business Podcast. Have a great day and stay safe. Morning, Kevin. Hello, is that Kevin there? Hi, Alan. How are you? I'm terrific, thanks, and welcome to Calgary Business Podcast. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. So, Kevin, this is episode uh, number 230, but I think you've probably had, uh, in your in your time with Sturgis, you've probably had more than 230 projects under your belt. Um. Well, I don't know, 230 perhaps, um, you know, we get uh, a number of them every year and I've been here for first started in 2003. So um, yeah. I haven't actually done the math, but uh, you, you never know. I, I suspect it's probably in that range. Well, I, I, yeah, it's, it's funny as over time, you probably don't think of that, but I look at your, your website, it's quite impressive, the Sturgis architecture. And so that I think the picture says a thousand words. And in this case, it doesn't take long to get that thousand words. So anyway, you know. thanks. So Kevin, introduce yourself and tell us, a, you know, I mean, Sturgis is not your family name. So I think there's a little bit of history you want to share with us and the, the two listeners I've got and, and we can go from there. Sure. I, uh, that'd be great. Thanks. Um, well, Alan, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, my name is Kevin Harrison. I'm the principal at Sturgis Architecture. Sturgis Architecture was is a is a firm architecture firm here in Calgary. Right, um, and it was it was founded over four decades ago by by Jeremy Sturgis. So hence Harrison is my last name and Sturgis as the founder. Um, I would say that in our office we what stands us apart is is kind of our known track record for diverse scales of work. Our right, our studio it really. I would say it leads with kind of with creativity, which it was founded upon, and that and this creativity is really expansively imaginative. Yet, we're meticulously thoughtful about um, about our work and and the collaboration that we do within our work merges sure. the sort of talent within within our office. So, just I mean, on the on the naming front, and I'm you know I'm not going to put you on the spot, but I think is it something you you just keep that name because that's the the legend or the but. Or would you put Sturgis Harrison or just bring Harrison or is it not something you really think about right now? Well, it's it's definitely at the forefront of our thought process. There's yeah. no question. Um, since since we started talking about about successioning um, and, and me taking over the company, 
uh, it was it was definitely thought about. Um, there is there is absolute value in in the name that yeah. exists and the name that has built been built on this reputation. Um, and and so that's that's the one avenue that that we're kind of maintaining. Sure. Um, there's no question that um, from a personal perspective. Uh, whether it be the name Harrison or something else, um, is is indeed interesting to me, and I'm and I think about it uh, quite a bit. Um, but as it sits right now, we're we're still Sturgis Architecture, and we'll we'll see where the road leads. Well, I guess you know, Lana Lana Rogers or the her team, uh, the PRT, they they probably will have a, a say in that because she introduced uh, you and I to get on the podcast. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been in touch with Lana for for a number of years now, and right. and we um, we haven't discussed that in in great detail, uh, but you know, it's it's definitely something that uh, that um, is, as I said earlier, is is something on the forefront. Um, we've we've been. Uh, of late recently um, branding to have a kind of underscore SA as our, as our logo, um, yeah. which, which is a hint to what might come in the future. Oh, so, say, so sort of Sturgis architecture, taking that full thing and then squishing it down or scrunching it into an SA. Yeah, perhaps. Oh, okay. and, and as a means to, you know, underscore SA, well, what does the underscore lead to? Um, <laughs> I think we could maybe put two and two together, but you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Well, no, I mean, I come from the, the big four back, you know, when, when it was big four, it was big eight, big 10. So the Ernst & Young and the, the PwC world, and they all scrunched down, down from the Price Waterhouse Coopers to PwC, Ernst & Young to EY, uh, you know, Deloitte Touche, Tomatso Ross, those big, long names. And they, that, I mean, so that's a trend. And that you're, you certainly would be on par. I'm not putting you as an accountant, but it, it seems to be a trend globally with big yeah. You know, it, it often becomes um, a, a conversation when, you know, when when the, for lack of better words, the, the notion of figurehead or the name tied to the figurehead that exists yeah. um, in in many of, you know, those companies that, that you mentioned and, and many throughout the world. Sure. That, that name is no longer or that person is no longer there. And, yeah. you know, and so when you might get a phone call, hi, can I speak to so-and-so um, <laughs> associated to the name? Oh, well, yeah. that, well, he or she is is retired now. And, and so part of that squishing it down, if you will, or, or moving to an acronym or moving to some some other kind of recognition of the company is a way of of leading those potential clients or those whom you might be talking about. Sure. So as not to, you know, have that. Can I speak to, you know, so and so? If it is that the case. Well, I guess I mean because in your so because this is really you're in my first architecture on the podcast. So I I'm excited. I'm like a kid in a candy store. I want to <laughs> I want to learn about how to you know. That's, but let's go back to your early days and say, I mean, because I want to. I, I guess I want to transition this to other startups or people that are thinking of, in your situation today. But it took you a few years to get to that takeover point what what do you say to those young architects out there you know um well i mean it, it's it comes with uh i mean there's a lot of hard work involved there's no question um but you know i'll, I'll go back to when i first started i uh i came here in 2003 as a yeah. student and um interesting enough i 
did not have an interview, nor did I have an appointment or anything. I walked in the front door. I asked to speak to Jeremy Sturgis. Um, interest, <laughs> rash interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting enough. He came out and introduced himself. We chatted for five, 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, and he said, well, when can you start? And so I, I said, I can start on Monday kind of thing. Uh, and and, you know, and so history presents itself. Um, I've been here full time since 2006. Yeah. And at, really at the onset, even as a student, but at the onset of my kind of uh, start here, um, I think from from a Jeremy Sturgis and Kevin Harrison perspective, there was this kind of immediate connection uh, between us. Um, I, I had I would say I had the ability to perhaps translate uh, his his ideas or his sketches or his mind into a notion of reality from from into a notion of design reality right. in some essence and and that sort of manifested as initial mentorship and and friendship and and it just began to grow and and so through through that through through that kind of mentorship and growth uh, and and my time in the office doing you know what what most interns do um you know my skill set grew more uh, yeah the confidence in in the ability grew more and 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 that just segued into um more and more responsibility and and ultimately then um you know fast forward you know eight years or so when we started talking about successioning of the office and and that sort of thing and um and in 2015, I, I became a partner. And, nice. Okay. And, and then it was a really a five-year plan to to become the sole owner of the company. So I mean, if I take back to those back to that student days, and, and you've said the word sketches. So were you? I mean, growing up as an architect, were you always kind of sketching? And then you said, just just for my own curiosity, is that yeah. natural, is it a natural progression? Or, you know, I mean, did you go into that because of your sketching or you said, I'd like to try it? I mean, what, how did that go out? Well, I think I think on some level, uh, architecture has always kind of been in my blood, if you will. Yeah. Um, my my father is a contractor. And at the age of 12, I started <laughs> working summers with him, um, yeah. whether it's, you know, digging holes, pushing a wheelbarrow. I don't know, framing walls sure. or coat and screws, that sort of thing. And I started yeah. working with him and worked with him through the summers until I graduated high school. Um, and and then I worked a full year with him um, building houses and oh, okay. doing that sort of thing. And so I got the taste of uh, the notion of, you know, construction, uh, but I always wanted to design. And, and you know, I, I think I... And by no means, let's say, uh, an artist by by what some would dumb as art, uh, uh, you know, dub as artists. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, I I know how to draw, and I, I think I can draw well. <laughs> um, you know, hopefully, I'm an architect. Um, but uh, you know, that then sort of segued into me uh, wanting to go to Sate, and so I, I went to Sate to the in the architectural technologies program. Right. Um, and to get a taste of what it was uh, after graduating SAIT, I worked for a few years for a developer in the city. Um, but I always kind of knew that. Like a real, uh, a real estate developer, someone who's. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. 
a home builder, real estate developer in, in the city here. Yeah. Uh, but I always knew I wanted to be an architect. And, and so then that led me back to school um, and, and ultimately here. And, and so, yeah, I mean, my path perhaps was maybe a little more linear in, in the sense of um, ultimately wanting to become an architect and, and, and then ultimately a business owner of an architectural firm. But, uh, you know, those whose paths um, within our firm and, and many of whom I've, I've talked to, they they are are wide widespread and and there's sure. no there's no you know one way to get to the end it's it's there's a multitude of opportunities that that leads you to a path or it leads you along a path so i want to go back to the, the, the sort of transition time because yesterday ironically i was on a uh as a zoom call put on by the good lawyer team and they talked a lot about the, the founders and that agreement the initial and I'm not going to get, I'm not putting you on the spot, but I just think it's ironic that you're talking about transition. I'm sure there's some legal aspects to it, but they were really some really candid discussions that Brett Colvin and his, his one of his partners, Joshua, the, the lawyer, and they were just talking about this, this whole getting that right founder. And it sounds like the day you walked in with Jeremy, you, he probably, maybe he said, this, this young guy is going to take me over in, in 20 years or whatever. But like, you know, that it does, it's not just something the first time you meet you know, that buildup of a, of a legal agreement of the founders coming together. Anyway, so I just, I wanted to share that because it reminded me very much of, you know, your discussion or what you, where you are transitioning. There's some legal part of it. And so the good lawyer team is there for that kind of uh, those issues. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no question. There are uh, legal implications when, when purchasing a company, a business. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was, that was, a pretty lengthy process for sure. us to go through. Um, you know, some discussions are harder than others. Some are some are easier than others. Um, obviously, you know, we we are. You know, Jeremy and I are great friends, and we remain great friends. And he continues to mentor um, as as needed. And and so, um, business is one thing. Um, the successioning of, of a business is another thing. The legal aspect of making that happen is another thing, uh, you know, but our, our vision our and I would say both of our visions was, was to, to see, continue to see this office thrive and, and grow where possible and, and, and continue the legacy that, that it's, it's had for four decades now. So let's, 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 let's unpack some of your, your time, I mean, maybe not, uh, you know, Jeremy's time in the 40s, but your kind of last 15 sure. years. You, you said you probably don't know if you've done 200 projects, but, you know, I'm sure there's some pretty, as I kind of allude to your website, then the first thing that stands out is that, is that called, is that the Glacier Skywalk? Yes, it is. So it's a pretty where, powerful project. Eh? Where was that? It is in Jasper National Park. Okay, so right in right in this is it in the where the gondola not the gondola, where you go up the mountain there, is it? Uh, so it's uh, the, well the Banff gondola is different location. So it's yeah. um, as you head to toward Jasper, um, and it is uh, it, it's it's um, it's it's on the it's on the highway from sort of Lake Louise to Jasper. Okay, so uh, the Bow Glacier is it near the Bow Glacier then, or is it Columbia Ice Fields? Okay, that's it. Sorry, yeah. Okay. Wow. No, that's fantastic. I mean, the look is, 
fantastic. And I, I did tell you this, and we, you know, it was in Moscow a couple of years ago for the World Cup of Football, uh, the FIFA. And over the, just next to the Kremlin, they built this kind of a park. But then as extension of the park, there's a very similar, and I'm not, I'm not saying you stole their idea, they stole yours. It's just very similar creativity. They're literally over the Moscow River. And it's, it's incredible. You just, it's like you're standing in the river because it's clear like your, this skywalk, it's clear down below. So is that, is that a trend that's happening in, across the globe, that kind of similar feeling? Well, I think um, first and foremost, there's, there's perhaps a global desire to um, push the create, Yeah, yeah, for sure. Create this awe-inspiring um, notion of architecture, engineering, or whatever it might be. Uh, in our particular case, Glacier Skywalk came about really as a recognition of of global warming quite honestly um you know it's it's perched you know 200 meters 180 meters above above the you know the gorge below but that used to be a glacier and it no longer exists oh, right, right and so it is first and foremost acknowledgement of of global warming or um and and how um you know, the fact that there is this amazing piece of architecture and engineering uh, perched off of a mountainside yeah. uh, is is secondary to to the primary uh, point of what that is. In addition, you know, it's it's also an education piece as much as it is a Jewish tourist attraction where you're, you know, you're cantilevered off a mountainside on, standing on a glass <laughs> on a glass floor. Yeah, um, it's there's there's education pieces to this there's um idea there's what we call education nodes or learning nodes along yeah. this kind of 300 meter long pathway where you learn about animal migration where you learn about the geological landscape uh, and and so it's a means to to educate those who are visiting this attraction right. as a as a as an ascension to then lead to the kind of takeoff point that is this glass floor hanging over top of a of a mountain so it's more than just a like a, a knott's berry farm or one of those you know you just kind of come in and learn a little bit about you actually it's in, embedded because what you just said there it's it's bringing people to a point where they can appreciate not only the architecture but everything around them or vice versa you appreciate everything around you and then you go well by the way i'm standing on something really kind of cool Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, you know, um, in, in, in our minds, architecture cannot be this singular thing. Yeah. There needs to be meaning behind it and um, there needs to be intention. And, you know, in the case of Glacier Skywalk, there is, there is absolutely that. Um, yes, it is awe inspiring, but there is so much more than, than, just that and in this kind of manifestation of the of of what we sort of what is dubbed skywalk no that's incredible and i think of you know and I, i'm just going to my my time overseas and you know i talked about dubai but i'm thinking even like the you know how they revitalize Docklands, and i think that's going to be a, that sounds like it'd be a big trend going forward the future because in dubai a lot of what they did was they destroyed the ecosystem around the, the shoreline and they changed the, the ecology of the, the, the wildlife in the sea because they, they created islands and so forth. But I think what you just said, to your point, I, I, I don't think it, but it just sounds like there's going to be a trend because going back to the Moscow one, 
they really have brought they brought to create this park in the middle of next to the Kremlin, which would have been unheard of in Soviet times. Um, it was it's a it's a compilation of wildlife and, uh, you know, plant life from the, the Russian the Russian fields. Like literally it's it's a recreation and brought in from from all across Russia uh, and, and put into this park. So I, that seems to be a real a trend. I don't know where where that goes, but I'm just I wanted to leave that there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say that it's perhaps not a trend um, and, and more about a, a reality where, you know, you can you can um, look at arguably any sort of waterway situation where where in, you know, 100 years past or, or more yeah. um, where it was really about um, the notion of, you know, commerce, shipping, it became you know, waterways became these really dirty things sure. along the shorelines. And, and now there's, and, and for many, many years now, there's been this major reinvestment into, into making them a place that people want to be at because, you know, as, as many of us are, have this desire, I want to be on the water as an example, you know, that's it, which is, which is not necessarily relevant to any one particular project that we're doing i think it's a global thing and you touched on it with the notion of dubai and um and that that's happening everywhere in the world and so you know that's in my mind not a trend a, a level of recognition look at what we did to devastate this kind of landscape and now you know fast forward 100 200 however many hundred years later we're we're reinvesting to we're make bringing it, it back we're bringing it exactly. back so you can come back and yeah exactly so let um this uh, God, we, this is a fascinating discussion, and I'll just I'll close off on the Dubai thing because I remember reading an article, you know, in the early days, and so it was a playground for architects to come in, and from Chicago and New York and Toronto. But more recently, before after we left, there's as you to your point, they were building a lot of kind of these, um, I mean, more attractive places to be as as opposed to just a building, and then you you deal with the, the ecology. They're building these these long ports or long up ports. What do you call it? The boardwalks and shops that are really pleasant to be at, and and it, it brought it all together. So I I think that's that as you said, it's not a trend. It's just it's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. yeah. So let's let's switch gears because you and I talked a little bit offline about the Green Line project, and there's some exciting aspects of your work that have come into play or will come into play in the, in the months and years to come. Yeah, for sure. Um, where do you want to start? <laughs> really? I mean, um, I can, I'm all, I could talk for as long as you want me to talk. Well, I mean, okay. I, I, I tend to ignore the headlines in anything and you know, the headlines never tell the real story. And I know there's a recent article and I'm not here to talk about the politics and the budget and all that, but I, I think from what you and I talked about, one thing that really resonated and it, it resonates with a lot of my podcast guests is community. Mm -hmm. So maybe get share your thoughts on the community. Yeah, well, I mean, I think first and foremost, uh, at least for for us, um, what we do is is so much more than architecture. Uh, we're here to create extraordinary environments that elevate the everyday, and 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 often that's that's inspired and starts at the community. Uh, and and so, you know, you talk about, you mentioned Green Line, the notion of Green Line, when it's, when it's all said and done is going to yeah. be 46 kilometers of track and, wow. you know, 28 stations. And um, 
within within that, you know, the green line will it is a transit line that will connect Calgarians, visitors, users of transit to to essential amenities through, throughout the city, and that that all that all people require and need, and and the ability to do so is is fantastic for for a for our office to be a part of it, but more so for this city and the future of this city, and and you know for us to have been a part of what what we really dub as city shaping and city shaping initiatives right. where where we in fact you know connect people to places is is a pretty powerful thing um and and so the notion of community um the notion of of, of green line in particular um offers opportunity to connect people and and you know we're we're looking at designing more so than just stations and station stops along the whole of the line right. creating creating plazas at at every station stop or as many station stops as possible so as when you when the whole of the line has a consistent vision but you stop at a station and there's a plaza adjacent to a station that is unique to the community that you're within um you know so if it's going through Inglewood Ramsey that might be different than uh, a, a different plaza configuration and connection to the community than if you're going through the downtown or if you're going up to 16th Ave North along Center Street right. and, and and so each of those plazas are unique to the community so that um, the residents who live there the the people who visit the users who are using the transit line can recognize that as a kind of unique moment within the line that has a consistent vision and and so the notion of community is reinforced from a holistic approach to to a much a much finer grain uh, along the line and so you know we're extremely proud about a as i said earlier being a part of the team contributing sure. to this because it's a, it is an enormous team there are a lot of players um you know but it's it's a it's a fabulous opportunity for our office well, I guess there's partners. You've got those community going to the community, and there's a lot of partners. Whether it's the official, you know, the individuals, whether there's the shop owners or the community community associations, and and you and I talked a little bit, and I I just have this tuxedo, you know, right off that on 26 Avenue, I think it's 26 Avenue, and there's a tuxedo community center center. I used to play hockey in that little, you know, just off of Center Street, and there was a I think a tuxedo. I can't remember exactly, but you know. And just played hockey in those outdoor arenas back in the day. And those community associations, the shack, you'd, you'd walk in and the door would rattle the, the, the thing as people came in. You know, that, that goes back. And I, just those stories. And, and it, when you were saying that about the, you get off the line, you're connecting to the, maybe the transit or whatever it is. But that connection is really connecting with the community. So I, I hear you when you talk about Inglewood and so forth. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that... Um, perhaps, you know, whether, you know, whether it's a home or a community building or yeah. a tourist attraction or a transit line, um, you know, for, for us to create spaces that are special, for us to create spaces that are memorable, uh, for us to create spaces that inspire people, you know, it's, it's, it's key to, to the success of not just us as an office, but it's key to the success of the city and, and those who are using the city, you know, and um, 
and, and so you know everything we do is is about a human experience and, and how can we ultimately better that human experience because human experience drives community i think if you take your example of the glacier die walk and that kind of yeah i think there's a lot to be said for that when you walk up you learn about you know i'll give john and mary but you know they you know in 1926 they walked on this saying you know what like that kind of historical context or when this as you move further north to Beddington and, and, you know, some of those historical things. And I, I, I mentioned it to you offline, but there was that old racetrack up there. It was a stock car, smash them up derby kind of, I literally was mm-hmm. uh, at the end of, I don't know the street or the Avenue, but it was, you know, those are those historical points and it's not as nature kind of to the glacier side, but it's, it would resonate with a lot of folks uh, along that, that community line. Yeah. I mean, I think part of the, key to uh, any sort of new intervention um, that 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 we do is is understanding the history behind place um, the history behind people yeah and 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 then ultimately uh, creates something that either a responds to it uh, acknowledges it um, and, and but but does but recognizes it and and intervenes or establishes something new, something that is current, something that reflects our time. And, and so, you know, we, we work on that. It's key to, to what we do on a daily basis. You know, something that, that I didn't really share with you before, but when I came back to Calgary after many years overseas, and I noticed a lot of the, the sort of new communities, they really, it, it, from I'm living up in Strathcona, the kind of Southwest, and they've kept the, the nature you know that instead of just keeping making this naked community there's a there's been a real push it seems for me but I, I, i'm not an expert but there's let's keep some of the nature around us and the, the trees and the, the you know that wildlife because <laughs> i mean there's coyotes there's rabbits or hares wild hares elk moose we see them you know the other day girls got so excited about the moose walking around our backyard like it's not our backyard but it's the fence line so that that seems to be a trend or a, a certain what to your point as an architect, it's really been something I've seen coming back to Calgary. Yeah. I mean, I think there's no question that there's, there's this desire. Um, I, I would, I would argue most people, uh, you know, when, when you, when you talk to them, Oh, what do you like to do? Oh, I like to, you know, I like to be in nature. I like to be outside kind of, it's a common response by by most of us right and and so and so if there is that that connection um whether it's an immediate physical connection or or at least a a visual connection there's there's an inherent sort of peacefulness associated to it you know we we often do what we do on a daily basis um which which can be busy and right um, and and often challenged um but you know with a kind of that that connection as you say to nature in, in your particular case you know and, and um there's there's a as i said there's a peacefulness there that and, and a calming um opportunity when when that happens so let's let's switch gears to the you know your, your work as an architect and the kind of creativity but how does technology and i know i, I guess you went to say then you you did learn some of that early technology how has that changed and made your job better, worse, harder, difficult? Maybe you could share some of that. Yeah, sure. Um, 
Well, I can talk big picture and I can talk maybe <laughs> perhaps a little bit COVID related too. Well, um, well, so, so that, yeah, what you've seen over time and then, and bring it into COVID. That'd be great. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I'm going to really, really broad strokes here, but historically, um, when, you know, a year, many years past, uh, historic architecture was often sort of represented in plan section model almost you know right. whether that you know draw a two-dimensional plan a two-dimensional section and then a physical 3d model yeah you know fast forward as as we progress with technology the notion of representing a project in three-dimensional form digitally moves you through spaces that um, that those who cannot envision the spaces can ultimately uh, see now and yeah. and so it, it just it just connects you to to clients to those who may not understand two-dimensional reading of plans or sections yeah. um, it, it connects those in a, in a much stronger way um, and it also allows the teams working together working on the project whether it's architects engineers yeah planners other consultants you know there's you know often teams of multitude of members associated to a team to develop a project um it allows that um that connection that collaboration that understanding of putting a project together putting a building whatever type of building it might be um much more of a, a, a collaborative understanding of executing the, all of the pieces. Um, and so, so there's a, a much, a much stronger clarity in, in the process and clarity in representing the process and ultimately representing a, a project for whether it's your clients, whether it's the public, whether it's yeah. the contractor to build. Uh, and so, so the evolution of technology from, from that aspect, from a kind of design and execution aspect is, is, is just, is just bringing more and more people or more and more information to light in a, in a, in a, in a way that's more readily understood, um, from a, from a building perspective, um, you know, the notion of materiality or or even just digital realm um it's, it's just creating so much more opportunity for uh for materiality for constructability for you know and and so uh, yeah i mean the cad they so old cad drawings are they're wrong and your carpet is you know those days of the carpet just as you didn't get the measurements right so the carpet's too short or too long or whatever you know it's it's way beyond that it's the augmented reality where you you're sitting right where you were going to be in whatever that you're, when your project is in planning stage, what it's going to look like in a year or two or three years, whatever that time frame is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, while many offices still operate in, in AutoCAD, you know, one of my, <laughs> one of my team members and, and, and many throughout the industry, but I'm not going to name names. Um, you know, they, <laughs> it's, it's considered, you know, it's considered, outdated in, in a lot of instances because the, the the software that we use nowadays just offers so much more collaboration from yeah. a team perspective and and so it's it's fantastic it's it's also daunting to be quite honest you know when you know if you're not 
leading that kind of um, aspect or you're not, you know, part of that and you're falling behind, you know, you could, you can perhaps think, well, how can, you know, what aren't we doing that could ultimately better our business or better what we do from an architectural standpoint. And so it's, it's really, it's really, it's really an interesting dialogue between, you know, how, how fast the digital realm and how fast technology is moving forward and, and how fast uh, anyone can adapt accordingly. Well, you know, I mean, applicable story would be just Apple. They didn't come up with the first uh, iPod or MP3 player. They just bettered the experience. You know, the, the iPad, apparently, I was just talking to, you know, yesterday that they, Apple wasn't the first with an iPad. I think Microsoft had something out and they just made it be- the experience better. So it's, it's not necessary to be the the leader. It's to adopt and make it make it you know fit to what fit to purpose or whatever. But to point about COVID, I had an early guest on my podcast early COVID, Raza Jaffrey from 3D Cityscapes in Toronto, and he said because they do they do the 3D for they help the developers and put the buildings into you know 3D format on augmented reality or virtual reality, and he said. Soon as COVID hit, suddenly everybody wanted those plans. They wanted to see what it looked like because they couldn't go visit the places. So, I uh, maybe we can segue that into what was your experience in bring it fast forward to your, I guess your world in COVID world. Yeah, I mean, I think from you know from just from an architectural standpoint, um, what I think what we what we really pride ourselves in is, as sort of you know, our firm, you know, as a collective of kind of architects, designers, technologists with, you know, each of us with distinct backgrounds, right, kind of enable adaptability and empower the notion of possibility. Um, You know, we, we, we approach each client and each project, you know, with a sort of tailored lens that, you know, where an exploratory process is we don't leave any stone unturned and so and so what does that mean um from a from a COVID perspective um i think there's there you know much of that still remains true because you know it it what we do is sort of unfolds itself as a kind of commitment to the project and to context and all those sorts of things at every level Right. The notion of COVID is context and how how might you how might your project or your future projects evolve because of it? I think part of part of what we're dealing with in 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 our world today, um, as as most of us are working remotely or working from home, the notion of of that kind of work versus home life is is becoming more and more blurred. Um, and, you know, when I would say prior to COVID, uh, we would usually associate, you know, family rooms with relaxation or in, informality and comfy clothes, if you will. Whereas <laughs> in, the, in the work experience, you know, you do associate that with something a little more formal, formal dress yeah. and formal behavior. And so, and so, when these lines become blurred, I think what a lot of people perhaps are looking for <clears throat> is an opportunity for sanctuary or an opportunity for reprieve from from what this these blurred lines become a place to 
get away from those blurred lines. And so how might, how might you see that in, in, and I'm, I'm speaking, you know, from, from a house perspective, but the same can be said, you know, the house is a metaphor for your buildings. Um, And, and so, you know, how might you start to think about designing spaces that offer that? And, and, you know, perhaps they could still be within that notion of family room, but is there uh, uh, perhaps not a physical um, separation or a true kind of partitioning of separation, but is there a mental opportunity for separation or is there a mental opportunity for um, separating those lines that are becoming more and more blurred? Because, you know, as, as we all know, um, you know, for those, you know, when you're, you know, working in your living room it, it, or wherever it might be, it, it can be challenging. Those who, uh, you know, everyone's dealing with different things. Some, you know, some parents have, you know, some people are parents with kids who are, you know, teaching kids at home learning, plus they're doing their work on a day. That's right. Well, it's exactly that. Like suddenly that blurred lines, it was fun. And to, we were just having a discussion about, you know, you just kind of meld from uh, pajamas to the sofa to the drink. But literally, reality sits in that you've got to take care of someone that is teaching from home or, you know, the, the working from home and, and reality is mixing. People say, oh, I, could, I didn't know my children are going to come back. And there's that loud noise of them being on a Zoom call and me being on a Zoom call. And my bandwidth isn't there. You know, the, 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 the Wi-Fi is not working. Uh, you know, so it's, it's, there's a whole new world of problems. Absolutely. And, and yeah, you know, the notion of technology, you know, um, it, it can be, there can be a lot of mental or stress or, or fatigue associated to that. As you say, if, if, you know, I don't have enough bandwidth, I can only be on video and you can't be on video, whatever it might be. (laughs) Right. And, and, and so it's placing that um, just, just, you know, I think, we, we often can understand the notion of, you know, don't want to burst our bubble, if you will, kind of pun, um, you know, and, and if our home or whatever that is, where we're working remotely is our bubble, you know, it can only take so much. And so how like can home, we... It's, it's, like, it's, it's like a virtual home invasion, you know? Yeah, so. yeah totally. So, I mean, so, so from our perspective, we think about that, you know the home metaphor as a as a global picture beyond um, beyond the home. So yeah. other other buildings, whether it's community buildings, whether it's a transit line, whether it's plaza spaces. You know, can you start to think about you know um, in a pre-COVID world, the notion of density was is key to putting people on streets and to having safe streets and having safe communities. Well, you can still do that, but there's ways to perhaps um, maintain as as we've come and realized the notion of physical distancing um, you know interventions on um, subtle sidewalk paving or you know in a park you can you can cut grass separately you know like six foot by six foot squares maybe one square is left naturalized where one square is um is is in fact mowed you know in the summer condition obviously we're in the winter right now but you know and you can create idea of separation but in a park space where there's lots of people um, yeah. 
there's still a sense of community, but there's ample separation, you know, as an idea. And, and so that's getting us to think about how we might um, start to create um, or, or use COVID as, as an opportunity to, to think about how spaces, buildings, whatever it might be, might respond in, in a post-COVID world, if you will. That's incredible. You said, because it's literally the creativity and what you just spurred in my head, like you just spurred up ideas, but literally that creativity, and I I think it's flourished in different, I, get, I know people are suffering. I know there's mental health. I know, you know, it's not easy and business are shutting down, but the creativity I've seen, and it starts with things like, you know, painting or the girl, there's a girl in Edmonton who on the sidewalk, she did the chalk of the Monopoly squares, you know, and I've seen people creating painting on the murals on doors, uh, back, back lane doors, you know, like some of the inner city in Calgary, wherever you grew up in, and is that there's inner city places where that would really help pick up the alleyways where they're dilapidated and the garage doors got this nice kind of mural on it. And I know it's not, it's not to your point about dividing, but it's, it's to the creativity that can foster and, and come up with the new architectural way as you're, you know, because of that creativity. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think um, first and foremost, people uh, need to be in, inspired, and whether that's pre-COVID, during COVID, or post-COVID, obviously, yeah. where where we are now, um, there is a real desire. I mean, it's it's been going on for a long, long time, and I think you know everyone needs something. And, and I don't think we all know what that something is, but there's, you know, human interaction is key to our physical and mental well-being and, and not having that in, in a lot of instances is, is challenging. And so, you know, from I, I would say from our perspective, you know, um, you, you touch on the notion of alleys or lanes, um, you know, you know, from a what we would sort of dub as a culturally vibrant space. And that can indeed be a lane, um, you know, to any other type of architecture, a transit line, custom built home, you know, we're responsible for architecture that endures. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, often, and again, I'm, I'm picking up on the lane idea. Often it's the kind of nuanced sort of spatial subtleties like that mean them that leave the kind of most meaningful imprint. So as yeah. you say, you know, a painting on a door or whatever that might be, you know, or from sunlight that sort of strikes at just the right hour in your home or in a building or, you know, to sort of airy sight lines that ease the kind of rat race that we exist in now. Yeah. And, and, and so when our work intervenes and again, whether that's pre COVID post-COVID, during that time of COVID, or where we're at now, you know, when our work intervenes with, with really, with consideration, um, you know, we, I think we cultivate a connection to place and to one another. And, and this, in, you know, ultimately enhances an inherently human experience, because what we do is for people. And, and so if we can, create spaces create moments that enhance this then then i think we're doing the right thing 
do you part on that note do you partner and i with artists and you know i literally there's a lot out there that are kind of under you know couldn't get a they couldn't have their their place to perform or show their works because of the covid it sounds like there's a natural opportunity maybe you've already done this where you just well, partner with i mean I, I think uh art and architecture is is almost is often um spoken in the same breath in some aspects and so um there yes to your question um, <laughs> first of all um and you know lots of times and, and in fact um in many cities and places throughout the world and, and many clients throughout the world and many clients yeah. that we've worked with there's a mandate that every project we work on has art as as an integrated piece um, and so, and so, yes, to your question, um, I think it needs to be um, much, much more than just checking a box. Oh, we have an artist on board kind of scenario. There, there needs to be a, a fully kind of integrated process where, where we can use art and the building can be art too, um, just from a, from a big picture perspective, sure. um, um, as a means to, to really um, inspire to to create beautiful things, and well, and the sight lines you you mentioned it yourself. You said the sight lines, the way the light hits in the morning versus the night. That you yourself sound like a teacher. You sound like you know that vision. And I'm I'm going to put this out there, but I think you need to start training and teaching classes where you 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 know, visual awareness, the lane, that small little piece of grass. I'm I'm sorry, Kevin. After you take over Sturgis, you're going to take over some kind of school because you. This is just incredible. I, I'm sorry, I'm just a kid in a candy store. I said earlier. So. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, um, I think on some levels, uh, architects often teach, um, whether that's within their office or yeah. or abroad. Uh, in years past, I I, I actually did uh, was a sessional instructor at the UFC um, with with Jeremy, with our founder. Oh. Nice. Um, I'm, I'm currently not teaching, but I actually have some, some of our staff are. Um, and so um, it's what's what's great about that is is not just um, the opportunity to to teach. What's great about it is is how can we share what what we've learned over time right. and and what what we've found has been successful. We can also share what we found has been not successful and, and, and help, help um, a thought process for those who are learning to, to figure, figure out what can be successful for them. And, and so, you know, I, I mean, I think it's always great to give back in, in that, in that sense. And it becomes this, this sort of reciprocal relationship. There's no question. We we often have, you know, I'm, I started as a student intern here. We we often we always have student interns in our office. Sure, sure. So you know, we learn from them just as much as they learn from us. But that progression, <laughs> even that progression. So you you said it earlier. You talked about we started with this, you know, these 2D drawings. That itself could be almost a little museum. And I, I I'm just kind of bouncing ideas, but it it's kind of that. You have a repository of 40, and Sturgis has 40 years of history. And that can be a museum, you know, whether it's a museum or a training ground, and we show the progression and learning, or you back to your community, bringing it to that 40 years of whatever those communities are going to build the green line on. I, I, I'm just kind of, you know, flushed with that one, but it's, 
you really brought it out when you talked about how that progression from 2D and now we're doing augmented reality and Pokemon. You could play Pokemon games on the green line, and you know, I mean, you yeah. really, yeah, yeah. It's 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 pretty it's pretty wild. I mean, we've um, um, we what's what's really interesting is we often look to precedent, and and precedent can be our precedent of the some of the history of our work where sure. we've where we've been working on this you know 20 30 however long thesis about uh housing typology and look to how that's progressed over over the years to to inform what we're doing now we can look to other architects around the world who are current we can also look to the past exactly you know um and and all of which can inform can inform you to as a as a way forward can in, can inform you and say well that actually wasn't successful so maybe we can explore an alternate route or an sure. alternate way to do this so that it it you know um just creates a a, a more memorable or a, or a stronger experience for for whomever the the building or the house or the transit line or whatever it is whoever yeah. it's for and it ultimately it's for the people you know if i, I you reminded me of the um and i don't said that it's not too long ago, but the Norwegians, when they had the Olympics in uh, Hefja, I, I can't get the name, it's slipping from me, but they, the hockey rink, they built it in the rock. Like it's literally, it looks like a kind of this structure sticking out from the, the cliff uh, in, in a city called Jovik. I, I had the pleasure of being up there. And the 92, I, I can't remember what Olympics it was before. That was Lillehammer, wasn't it? Lillehammer, that's it. And they literally took a, a approach to have it in the part of the nature. I think, okay, so there's there's some things that maybe was already in the pipe, but there's some really creative. If you go up there, you know, the they really took the nature to heart. And I, I think there's something to be said for that. And you know, Calgary kind of did it. I don't know. I, I don't think they did as well as the Norwegians. Well, I mean, I think it's I think it's different. And and um every place is unique and yeah. um spatial availability can can inspire different things right um, you know calgary is from a land perspective a large city right yeah. and so again we so we have ample space and yeah. um and and so you know the notion of of landscape is just it's just different different yeah. and so and so not not bad not good just <laughs> different and and yeah. so um i think when you start to look to places around the world you can look um which which is you know sort of as i was touching on earlier you can you know that example is one where okay well it's emerging from you know from the landscape as as an idea so how might we how might that influence us on on another type of project or the same kind of typology where where our landscape is vastly different as an example we could use inspiration to to spawn new ideas well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, it was just more of the, we talked about the architecture, how creative they were and taking, you know, looking back to the past and, and, and bringing it forward. And I've heard this, you know, I've heard this discussion. It was a TED talk and they were talking about farming and how we can bring the two together, the old way of doing farming and meld it together with new technology and bring, you know, because COVID, and I'll just, I won't belabor this point, but during COVID, there was so much food waste because the farms were so far away, they couldn't get it to market. And the wasted food in the cities because it was sitting on waiting to get delivered. So 
there's that the TED talk was quite compelling. And she said, just bring old and new together. To your point about the or old architecture, new tech with new and combine methods together. You know, it's really quite interesting. Um, you know, architecture of the past um, can still be very, very relevant. Um, you know, I. I'll liken it to a kind of a thesis that we've been working on for, for many, many years. Yeah. The, the notion of, of, of a courtyard, um, which, which has existed for thousands of years, typically a courtyard, um, was used in warmer climates and the courtyard was a way to get away from the sun or the heat. It was a, it was a little bit of a, uh, you oh, know, okay. kind of separation where, yeah. You know, fast forward to us um, in Calgary, which is, you know, a northern climate, we use a courtyard to capture the sun right. and actually extend the shoulder seasons. So, you know, you, we might, you know, have a south facing courtyard because we have, yep. you know, yep. some of the most sun in southern Alberta, you know, in the country and um, and protect, you know, place of building face on the north face to protect us from the cold or storm right. winds right. And, and have and extend the shoulder season so there's an opportunity to be outside a little bit longer and so <laughs> you, call the shoulder, the shoulder yeah, you know so you think about like um you know april march april or you know october kind of those those seasons before we get cold again <laughs> or get warm again um and and you know and and so you know that's that's one example um where you look to history for what they've what was extremely successful, right, right. which literally was thousands of years ago, That's to right. what could in turn be very successful to what is current and what is responsive to local context, local environmental conditions, and, and those sorts of things. That's one example. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's there's many, many, many that where architecture of the past um, can work with architecture of today, you know, not dissimilar to what you're saying with farming of the past, working with farming of today. You know, and it, it comes to mind just going, kind of going to back to nature, when you drive uh, those big, if you drive out to, you know, towards Lake Louise and those overpasses for the, for the animals, that took a while. When they first were, they were just bare and I'm sure the animals didn't use those. You probably know, you know, it's kind of an arch that goes yeah. from one side yeah. of the to the next. And that this kind of melded in. It's it's part of the the nature now, and that took time. That took forethought and thinking by somebody, you know, some real creative thinkers. But that that kind of where you you bring the nature back to your point earlier. We were just talking about how people love that, and that I, it resonates because my wife and the girls always take pictures of it and trying to get, you know capture that the right picture of it. Yeah, it's quite interesting whether it's an uh, an animal overpass or an animal underpass. I mean, I think it all it all stemmed from, you know, us as humans, yeah, putting a highway through a national park, That's which right. I think we all want to be connected in some fashion. So I understand the nature of what that what that is. But how might we how might we protect our natural landscape, meaning animals and, and as much as you know trees and vegetation and and as an opportunity for or the forethought to create well this was this is key to their migration or their movement that's right and and how might we connect them from one side to the other i mean it's it's i think it's been uh, pretty great i mean i have by no means and and i can't comment on 
the statistics of animal safety uh, associated to that, but I, I, I would I would suspect that there's been some, uh, it, it, it's really helped in our national parks for sure. Now I look at, so I'm, I'm gonna switch gears a bit and, and I, I now notice, cause I've gone to your, your social media side um, and the visuals are quite stunning on your Instagram account. Thank you for <laughs> putting that out there for people. Uh, and I see your underscore SA. Now I see what you're talking about. That's, that's your, the new kind of, the new look. As, as, as a start. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so switching on that one, do you, your website, you've got social media, how important it has played over the years. And did that take some uh, change in view from say Mr. Sturgis and his, you know, uh, acceptance or how, how did that, how did that conversation happen? Well, I mean, I think uh, the notion of marketing in, as it, as it pertains to whether it's social media or others yeah. uh, is, is key is key to is key to an office is key to um, having uh, more people see what we do than just ultimately a a client or be the end result when it's built uh, right because um, there is there is so much more than than just that and and so an opportunity to share that with the world is lets them see us in, in perhaps a new light or, or, or see what we do on a day to day. And so how has that changed? Um, I think it's just evolved over time. And, you know, in, in years past, um, where the notion of even a website didn't exist with, sure. you know, in, in, in earlier times, it was about, it was about, you know, having, your portfolio doing lectures yeah carry around a portfolio exactly um and and you know and so times change you move into a website oh people can see what you do on the computer (laughs) and that's great but but even a website nowadays is is much less interactive than the efforts of social media now um and and you know, as, as, as you're well aware, you know, we're doing a podcast, um, the, you know, the younger generations times things move and things move at an accelerated pace. And so, um, it's important to connect in, in, in some way to, to how, to everyone on some level and, and to, to maintain the pace that this world moves at. And so, um, I think it's, it's key to, yeah. to maintain that connection and keep up with that connection. And so, you know, um, I mean, by no means am I a social media guru in any sense of the word, you know, but it's more than just um, Instagram, you know, I mean, like, you know, do we need to start doing TikTok videos and all these sorts of things to, to connect <laughs> to others? And, and, and I don't know the answer because I say I'm point, not social so media. Your point, you've already said it you, to connect the Gen Zs, right? And I'm not I'm not going to tell you you should do a TikTok video, but I, I would think, how do you inspire the Gen Z's of the world today who have grown up in a social media, iPad, whatever world? I'm not knocking it because, you know, I, that is a very real part of doing the, the old and new together. And, you know, what is that? How do you connect? How does those young students there? Because they've got the technology. They're using augmented reality for their learning classes. They're not drawing the they're not carrying around that black big you know the big architecture yeah. briefcase right 
yeah so there's no question and and so i think it i think it starts with the opportunity for connectivity first of yeah. all um and and so if there's a way to connect whether it's it's through a social media device or or other or their means that's the first first and foremost um and and, and so then then that segues into more of a a, a physical connection versus yeah. a digital connection and i think that's um that's perhaps the next step now of course we're troubled by that right now in in our current times um you know as um you know the notion of connection or networking over remote platforms um it's is, not the same it's it's absolutely not the same um but if we're gonna succeed in today's world we need to think about how how that happens and 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 continue to um evolve with with the times because if if you don't and if you know if we're not pliable if we're not adaptable if we're not able to evolve then we're just going to fall behind and, and sure. so and so it's 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 about recognizing um a what is current but also b how might we how how might we seek to be ahead of that curve and and again you know we're not we're not leaders in that industry but if you can you know, that's even, that's even connect. Like I, I often look to some of our younger staff and, and connecting with, with kind of younger generations, you know, what are you guys doing these days? So how might we, how might we that's exactly support right. that? And so it's, it's a, it's an evolving time because I'm not, you know, I, I would say that, you know, you know, the, the 60s gener or 60 plus age group versus the 40 plus hey, age boomer. Come on, I'm, a, I'm a boomer. I get it. You know, it's, it's a, it's a different world. And so um, it's, it's about recognizing it and, 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 and face the challenges and, 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 and respond. You know, to your point, so to your point about the connecting, right, it's not about trying to show, show off or do something. So education, what I've learned the trend or not learned, I've seen the trend on, on TikTok is, it's moving from these funny videos and, and all that to more of an education platform. And one of the, or a short form education, that was the girl described it. And literally, you know, the not, you know, sort of poking fun at the Gen Z's learning with the, the headset or virtual reality. And there's, there's old Boomer carrying around that briefcase and they could poke fun. Hey, Boomer, you're st still not doing architect the way your dad did, right? I think that's kind of that, you know, those Quest Trade commercials. I don't know if you've seen them. Mm -hmm. you're, not, you're not still investing in what mom and dad's guy, right? So you could you could pick frame it where you do make that connection, and you're poking fun at your old, but you're also bringing in reality as, hey, we're already using this, and you're the cool kind of guy. I wanted to, I'll let you, you can respond to that if you want. Well, no, I I think it's it's absolutely relevant, right? Like, um, again, I don't know what we're you know how that ultimately manifest itself yeah uh, whether that's through video or not but it's absolutely relevant um you know i, I said earlier we look to you know the work of the past uh, as as inspiration or as informative <laughs> for the future but you know the same can be said you know the what we're what we've done in the past there's an evolution to how we're working now and what yeah. we might do in the future. And, and so, you know, you can, as you say, you can poke fun at it um, in, a, in a kind of video man manifestation, but, you know, if you're, if you're sharing 
information and 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 connecting you know it, it i i embrace that notion you know often um if you want people to come to you you need to yeah. share something with them yeah so and so you know knowledge is free information is free and so why not share our information and then and then we can connect in some way we can we can cultivate a connection um you know we can cultivate that human experience and then and then they may reconnect with us or or talk to someone who might connect with us or whatever it might be and 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 i think it's it's really important that we we really um as as people in general but it, it, for our office in particular that we yep. we stress that and, and push that avenue so i wanted to i wanted to give kudos to I'll go to your instagram and i look i drilled down a little bit and i happened to find a i guess 2019 2000 a year ago march no two years ago now so it was a sidewalk citizen the host Leslie Beal and Jeremy Sturgis in conversation with scholar Emeritus Professor. So that's it's pretty cool. If you if you if you don't know the photo, there's a red wall, red brick wall painted. Yeah. That's our office, just so you know. Oh, okay. So it like it like it just caught my attention. I it was I, I didn't expect to find, you know, Jeremy Sturgis in there, but uh, hats off for him for, for putting it and it's really he's got he has the kind of a, a light uh, green pants on and it really it's a great picture. It's got the visuals. Yeah, yeah, no, I uh, I remember it. I remember that uh, that talk. Um, they, um, yeah, I mean, so it's sharing information, right? Yeah. Um, and and the visual is is strong. Like you know, I, I said that's our office. So on the outside of where we share a lane, um, yeah, our, our office is painted. That red brick is painted, and and Jeremy was often uh, known for his his bold expression, which was which reigned true in in his clothing as well yeah. as architecture um and so you know i'm i'm here to to continue that legacy continue and, that. and just just so you're aware um <laughs> uh so jeremy was our founder uh his partner in life leslie beal and okay she was, also, she was also a partner in the office yeah. too Good. Prior, to, prior to her retiring you know it, rem it reminds me very much the color the bright colors so i was working in ukraine uh in kiev in in the late 90s it's still very post-Soviet, very gray, dark. And I left, we went on a kind of a trip up to Stockholm. And the colors, the contrast was amazing because you just, and, and Stockholm, and you kind of, you probably, you understand that there's just, all the buildings are very bright. And it just picks that, it just made a big difference from coming out of the gray Soviet. And it just, that picture, it reminded me of that kind of very northern, um, I guess, Scandinavian, there's a lot of colors. And because they have dark, long winters and dark, there's probably something to be learned from that as well. And I love that bread, red brick. Uh, I, we should not be afraid of color. Yeah. Period. You know, I mean, if it's an opportunity to express yourself. It's an opportunity to express um, projects. It's an opportunity to, you know, just just be recognized as something different. And and you know, that can be through formal expression. It can also be through through color. And so, sure. Well, good. How fit, you know, Kevin? How fitting that we end up at your place of work, and maybe how do people find you? Just, I mean, that red brick does it stand out? Can we see that from a from the satellite view? Uh, it's it's <laughs> along the side walls, so no. But uh, I think you can 
uh, well, you can find us, you know, at sturgisarchitecture.com. You can find us at our Instagram handle, Sturgis Architecture. Um, you know, we're, we're in Calgary, uh, but our work is widespread. Our work is, is, is in fact global. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I, uh, I, I urge, urge you to, to, if you're, if you're in Calgary in particular, I bet you when you're walking down the street, you'll, you'll see some of our work. Um, and you know some some may not be as bold as say glacier skywalk but they are bold in their um in in what would be um connecting humans and connecting a human experience um, to create uh extraordinary environments that elevate the everyday you know so that's us well i thank you kevin really thank you for your time today because it's an incredible story and i think the important work you're doing whether it's the Green Line or the, you know, the, the Glacier Walk, but just fantastic discussion. I think there's a lot to be learned for young people coming up and, and you're connect, you've, I've connected with this whole, I, I get it. So thank you so much. Well, Alan, I, I really appreciate the time for, for you to, you know, share, share your podcast or allow me to share my, <laughs> my thoughts with you. It's uh it's been great. I really appreciate well, you're it. Well, I have to say you articulated very well. I, I, I didn't know what to expect. What's an architect? And I, I still like that. Carrying, I literally have that vision, right? The guy carrying those big, they're really kind of almost like an artist, right? You know, they, they've got their portfolio of, and I have that vision and you put it on the table and the guy's like, dude, you know, we're using the virtual reality and you've got the young guy in the office showing you and you're like, where's, where's the drawings? <laughs> Come yeah. on, Boomer. Okay, Boomer. But that's a vision, <laughs> right? That's, that's It totally vision. is. You know, I... Um, I, when you talked about that, I remembered my first interview after graduating SATE yeah. and I had this massive portfolio, you know, it was three feet wide by three feet tall and I was carrying it. Uh, and, and, you know, and you think that's, that's not the way it works now. But there's your video for the green light, right? You know, the guy's, he's got this big thing and he's carrying it onto the, making room, <laughs> making room for the, getting on the line. And the guy, the guy next to him saying, dude. Uh, you know, we've, we're now in the 90s or whatever. You know, step out of the 90s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, well, good, Kevin. Thanks so much, and uh, stay safe, man. I will. Thank you. Appreciate All the right. time. Yeah, bye-bye.